0: People are afraid to talk about death because of their own sense of their mortality. If I talk about it, it's a recognition that that is part of life.
1: I'm Deborah Jarvis, and you're listening to The Final Say. This is the podcast where you can get comfortable talking about death And learn some things about life from people who are dying. In this episode, we'll hear a story about someone's last words and how they were misunderstood. And we'll talk about how grief and joy often walk together hand in hand. And I'll talk about how living your life backward may be just the thing to help you move forward. Today I'm visiting Bill Bailey. He lives with his wife Laura in a downtown Seattle retirement community. Bill was a pastor for several years and, I don't know, I guess the Law of Moses was not enough for him, so he became a well-respected trial attorney in Seattle. He was diagnosed with Parkinson's six years ago. I asked him, what was your first experience with death?
0: The first real experience was when I was contemplating going to Divinity School, and I was working in a church in Walla Walla, Washington. I got a call on a Saturday afternoon, and I was working with the with the youth in the church, that there had been a death of one of the teenagers. He was critically injured. Could I come down to the hospital? And I, I did, and his parents were there this Young man's parents were in the hall. He was undergoing surgery. A nurse came out and asked me to go into the surgical theater because Charles was about to die, and I represented the perspective of the church. That wouldn't happen today, but I watched him as he tried and tried everything to bring him to life, and he died. And I was then asked if I would not be the first person to go out and tell his mother and father. I think of those people so much, the grief that was there. It was followed up with a memorial within a week, where I rode in the hearse as the coffin was in the hearse, And with the driver of the hearse, I introduced myself, and and he said, Bill Bailey, Bill Bailey. He said, that explains it. And I said, what do you mean? Charles had crashed into a tree in his car, and he said, I was in the emergency ambulance, and all he kept saying over and over and over was, Bill Bailey, Bill Bailey, Bill Bailey. He said, I thought he was singing the song. So that was my first profound experience, really deep down profound experience of the yearning in the heart to connect, not not to, to be disenfranchised, but to connect, hanging on with life. So that, that was my first experience wow. with death. Well,
1: how have, your, how have your experience with death affected the way you think about your own death?
0: I've been in a group, as you know, Deborah, with persons that are dying. I feel in some respects like an imposter because I don't know that I've got less than six months. Yeah. I know that, that I will die. I'm dying by, by my loss of memory. And memory, in a sense, is everything that I am. The participants in that group know that deep, deep down. Do you life. think it's,
1: it's more difficult or better not to know exactly when you're going to die or to have a clue?
0: I like to know. I'm voracious. I I love knowledge. I I just I soak it in. And I would much prefer a medical doctor if I were diagnosed with stage 4 cancer not to give me chemotherapy, not to hold me on and watch me just agonize toward de- toward death. Lauren Arnett he was my best friend. He contracted cancer and ultimately got to the point where they were going to recommend some more hold-on-to-life. And he said, no, I, I don't want to live the last few days of my life like that. Lauren was such a beautiful person, and the way he chose to live life was, was with courage courage, recognizing that he was not immortal. I'm finite. I don't want to, I don't want to have further treatment. I want to live joyfully as, as much as I can.
1: There's something about having a pardoned upon deadline that can help you live more mindfully and intentionally. I think perhaps the issue for most people is they don't, look at the deadline they don't realize this could be your last day today none of us know
0: that's us that's know. right De- Deborah yeah that that's right Charles Cottrell was 17 years old when he crashed into that tree seventeen.
1: Bill said he'd been working with the church youth group, you know, I just assumed that he'd grown up in a church. And so, you know, I asked him, like, how did you decide to be a minister? How were you called?
0: I almost died with type 1 diabetes. My parents had moved from Portland, Oregon. and. And the doctor never took a blood test, never took a urine test. Diagnosed me with asthma. I went down to 89 pounds. I, I was same height I am now. and I'm not quite twice that, but but 89 pounds. And I was in a in a coma for a, a week. My parents took me to Portland, Oregon, and they diagnosed it immediately. And I was told by my mother and father that. They told them that they didn't know whether they would be able to keep me alive. I came out of the coma in a week and I was I was scared to death. <laughs> <laughs> I was scared by death, not too death. I was scared to death, but I was scared by death. And I was in the hospital another four weeks getting adjusted to taking insulin shots and that's when i said to god if you let me live i will become a minister wow i had no i wasn't associated with any church i thought i'm being punished so i've gone from that dreary perspective on on death to where i am now
1: Why do you think it's so hard for people to talk about death to talk about dying and death why is it so hard for us
0: i i think that the inability to talk about death is the foundation for all the fear that exists it exists politically nationally it exists every day And the response to that is accumulation. We face death with trying to accumulate beauty, to hang on, to hold on, instead of to let go, let go. Deep down, people are afraid to talk about death because of their own sense of their mortality. If I talk about it, it's a recognition that that is part of life.
1: Tell me what's been some of the biggest surprises in your life.
0: Getting to know Laura. I knew she was beautiful. I knew she was smart. But I didn't know how truly wise she was. She is one of the most generous people I have ever in my life experienced. She Sees good everywhere, even even in persons who are angry, disillusioned, politically far apart. Getting to know the depth of Laura was a big surprise. She says she's an introvert by nature. There's a book called Quiet. I wish I'd read that book 40 years ago because when I was a talker and she wouldn't communicate. I thought she said, "No, I was reflecting on what you were saying, Bill." Uh, in, instead of uh, spontaneously responding, that was a that was a big surprise. That- oh man,
1: I totally get that. I'm a lot like Bill, and thank God for my chaplain training that taught me how to be quiet and listen, how to hold and appreciate the pause, the silent moment. I knew Bill had lots of amazing experiences, but what I wanted to know was what was the most life-changing experience he'd had?
0: I, I guess with the birth of our daughter, Carla, which was our first child, three years after Laura and I were married, and her birth was June 28, 1964. That experience probably is the most life-changing, profound experience, and I've had many, many but that one counts number one. I was at home and and got a call The doc said, I want you to come down to the hospital. I could tell by the tone of his voice that there was something amiss, so something really sad. And I I asked, how how is Laura? She's just fine. How is Carla? He says, I'll talk with you when you get here. She's just fine, but I want to share with you. So I went to the hospital and he said, Your daughter is a person with Down syndrome. And he said, some people will tell you, put her in an institution. And he said, don't listen to that. Don't even have an inkling of believing death. You take her home and you love her like you would love any child. And the grief that was there in that birth gave me a perspective on life. Because that that grief still is a part of me. It is a profound part of Laura. Do you know Carla? She is amazing. And when disappointment comes her way, whether it's a change of plans or endings, she first tears up being told of death or change or ending. And then she does this, Deborah, well, that's life. She said that. <laughs> So, so that Car- Carla has been a, a, a deep influence. She is who I am. She is a part of me. She is a part of me. When I see her on rhythmic music in the, in the church, to get up and dance, dance with me. That's life, that's life. Be alive, yes. celebrate. That's here and now. And I hope that I live life like that.
1: Question for discussion is where does that, that essence of who you are, where does that go? I mean, you know, is there is there a spirit, is there some kind of essence or energy that's never lost? So I don't know, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Energy does not end, it is life. Yeah. And I believe when I when I die, that I'm gonna be part of the molecules of the many, many universes. And, and in that sense, I will live, I will be part of what I was when I came into existence, and I will be part of essence. I will be part of life, and I I live with that joyfully. At the same time, I don't want to say goodbye. Yeah.
1: What if it's like there's this sparkling jewel deep within us, and that is our true essence, and when we die, our minds are gone, our personalities are gone, our bodies are gone, all that's gone. But that jewel, that essence, that energy still remains somehow. I don't know. i like to ponder this. And what do you think about Death with Dignity, the laws that were passed here in Washington State? I,
0: I celebrate the fact that this state is one state. I grieve with the fact that that law does not apply to me because of the re- of the requirement, which I think is good, that two physicians have to diagnose you as going going to die within six months. I don't know that any more than you know you're going to live right. six months, right. but I know that I'm dying. I know I know profoundly.
1: When you think about your own death, and maybe you think about your memorial service, what would you like people to be saying?
0: I want them to say, I hope they say, Bill had such empathy that he made a difference because he cured. I want them to laugh. I don't want at the end of the service that, Somebody says, is there anybody else here that wants to say something about Bill? And we sit there for another hour and a half listening to people talk about themselves rather than about about Bill. I want joy. I want celebration. I want recognition of death as well as an embracement of life. I want us to embrace death. Yes that it is a, it is a gift i would hate to live forever and <laughs> i would hate, i would not like that yeah and i don't know why but i just know that i wouldn't like that charles cottrell was 17 years old when he crashed into that tree 17 yeah here i am i'll be 79 in october And, and you know, I love I love poetry, and there there is a poem about that recognition of joy as well as one of tears. It's by Stanley Kunitz, called "The Layers." He says, "Live in the layers, not in the litter." It's like he compares it to a geological experience, that there are layers of life, and. Not recognizing the layers, we focus on the litter. It is exactly in keeping with what you said just a few few moments ago. But we're focused on trivial, really trivial things. Oh Lord, I, somebody scratched my car, or or I don't like the way you're doing management, or I don't care for this, or this is such a dreary place. It's living in the litter and that poem says, live in the layers of life because that's that's living and, and so do
1: you, do you feel like you've lived in the layers of life? I, I do. If there's a daily uncertainty that we live with that I think just speaking for myself, if I continuously remembered that, I would much more easily let go of irritation and annoyance and grudges and resentment like who's got time <laughs>
0: <laughs> i'm i'm with you there although i uh, although I'm, I'm 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 one Deborah who who, who actually gets frustrated with the minor th- bumps in the road in in life uh I don't want to go there. Yeah. I don't want to. It is. It's really so I'm, I'm with you.
1: Yeah. Um, I just have to tell you, since we, to go back to the subject of memorial services, um, I've thought about mine a lot. And, you know, I kind of rewrite it every 10 months or so. And I've decided that I do want people to cry really hard because I was so loved and they miss me and then i want them to laugh really hard <laughs> i want it all and i'm planning on having baskets of hershey's kisses at the end of every pew <laughs> and then when people can pass them down and you you take a kiss from me <laughs> hershey's kisses were always extremely comforting to me my entire so that's my plan that's my plan so far so we'll, we'll see <laughs> That's,
0: that's fantastic. <laughs> because
1: I... Well here's my final say for today. Thinking about what we'd like people to say about us at our memorial. That's a great exercise. It's kind of a way of living your life backward, but it just might be the way to move forward. So if we ask that question, what would we like people to say about us at our funeral or memorial? And then once we decide what that is, well, then the even more important question is, how can we live right now? Who can we become right now so that people will say what we hope? So I'm thinking about starting a new segment to this podcast called What I Wish I'd Asked because I really wish I had asked Bill why he left the ministry. This question was bugging me so much that I asked around. And here's what I found out. He left the ministry because he felt that he could make a bigger difference in the world, in the field of law, which I think is a pretty good reason. So that's my final say for today, but I'm going to let Bill have the last laugh because he has such a great laugh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm with you there.